0: Ramble.
1: My dog, Mango, has been with me through some really crazy times in life. I mean, she's been with us for the past 10 years. If you guys don't know, Mango is my little French bulldog with half hair. Okay, she's fuzzy only half the time. And she is literally the glue of my family. I have quite literally named an entire podcast and a YouTube channel from my dog, Mango. She is the reason that these channels exist. But three years ago, Mango was diagnosed with this autoimmune disease, and she was always at risk of excessive bleeding. Her fur was falling out in clumps. It was, it was a pretty stressful time in my life. I was constantly emotional about Mango being in pain, and then I would be, get so stressed out every time I started going over the vet bills. Every time we took her to the vet, it was like thousands of dollars because her condition was so difficult to treat. And I am just so thankful that we had savings to cover it. I wish I had known about Spot Pet a few years back, it would have just eased so much of that stress. Our partner, Spot Pet Insurance, is here to share a message today on how they are a secret weapon against the unexpected. Because with Spot Pet Insurance, you can get up to 90% cash back on eligible vet bills. Our dogs are always there for us during our hardest times, and we need to be there for them too. Go to SpotPet.com today and get a quote instantly. Visit SpotPet.com. Paid ad from Spot Pet Insurance. Waiting periods, annual deductibles, coinsurance, benefit limits, and exclusions may apply for all terms visit spotpetins.com sample policy insurance plans are underwritten by either independence american insurance company or united states fire insurance company and produced by spot pet insurance services llc happy almost new year happy
0: holidays
1: what <laughs> what no it's almost new year
0: it's holiday new is new, Year's new year a holiday, holiday? it's a holiday
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it is a holiday. It is a yeah. holiday. When I think holidays, though, I think like Thanksgiving and Christmas. I don't necessarily think New Year. New Year, I think lots of New Year's resolutions that will probably end before February. That's pretty much what I think of. January is the prime time. You don't understand. January comes around. This bit's right here. Me. I will go buy four planners i'm like i got a lot of planning to do this year (laughs) and then by the time december comes around you'll never see me with a freaking planner no by the time february comes around what's a planner i don't have a planner what are you talking about so um welcome to this year's last podcast 2020 has been a year i don't want to be one of those people that goes on a tangent about it because it sucked it sucked for everyone in different varying degrees and it just overall was just a strange year but you know what this podcast has really helped me in 2020 because I don't know. Something about talking about these gruesome cases was like an outlet for all of this pent-up stress that I had. And I just... It was fun. It was fun. Okay? That's what (laughs) I was trying to say. So thank you for spending your hump days with me. Maybe you don't listen to it on Wednesdays, but if you are, you're one of my humpers. And I... I was going to say I hump you, but that could get me arrested. So welcome to this week's episode. So this week's episode, I really wanted to do the highly requested case. I was like, you know what? I'm going to end 2020 with a case that everyone has been requesting for years now, like since I started my YouTube channel. And that has been the New Delhi rape case of um, what happened on the bus. Now... I knew about this case for years and I just could never bring it in myself to just cover this case. It was a lot. It was intense. And then there was also like the cultural aspects. Like I could, I felt like I couldn't just touch up on the case without doing deep dives into like, why was this happening? Like, what the heck? And, you know, there's so many small things that also apply to that case. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I was going to do. But then I was like, you know what? Like literally tomorrow is New Year's Day and or New Year's Eve. And I don't think, I don't think I, I should do that to my brain i think i should do something fun and fresh something light something funny and then i started looking into this case and i was like oh my god this mother forker killed like over 100 people and i'm over here like fun and fresh <laughs> what okay so today's case is about the real life dexter this one has actually been requested really really frequently as well and i get it i see it it's such a wild wild story so in order to really deep dive into this we need to know about dexter dexter is a very very famous tv show my fiance what a a
0: cool name though someone named the real life of Dexter. Isn't Dexter The real uh, life Dexter. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't isn't he supposed to be a cool villain or Yeah, cool he's supposed to be
1: like um like a vigilant he's like a Batman but not as good. Okay, so how I see Batman is he's almost like your quintessential vigilante justice type dude. Like he wears mm-hmm. a cape freaking superhero he's rich Lamborghini whatever right Mm -hmm. but he also is so good to the point where like his weakness is that he's so good that he's got morals that's what all of the villains that go after Batman go after for the fact that he knows between right and wrong right Mm -hmm. whereas I feel like with Dexter I haven't really watched the show but from what I can tell online it seems like he falls into the more realistic villain category where it's like he's got a lot of flaws but somehow you still end up rooting for him so he's kind of like the Joker but um so essentially Essentially, this is how it goes okay so this show aired from 2006 to 2013 and it had a total of eight seasons now the first four seasons were like internationally acclaimed people freaking loved this show so much so that in 2013 the show ended but then in 2020 they released hey uh this year sucked for y'all right well here's some good news we're gonna be filming a 10 episode limited series with Dexter.
0: Oh, they're filming right now? Yeah.
1: So mm. I don't know when it's going to come out, but I mean, that kind of shows you like the success and the impact that this show has had on the people who love it. And so what is Dexter about? So Dexter is about a guy by the name of Dexter Morgan, and he's a forensic technician specializing in bloodstain pattern analysis. That's a mouthful. So he works for the Miami Police Department. Um, I don't think he's actually like a police officer. He just gets hired by them to do certain cases. And mm. he lives a double life. So obviously, working for the Miami Police Department, he realizes that there's a lot of people that just like fall through the cracks of the justice system. There's a lot of murderers who get away with it. There's a lot of like rapists who get away with it. So his double life is that Dexter Morgan himself is a serial killer that only hunts down other serial killers or murderers to kill them. So the story goes something like this, okay? Is it believable? Nah, I don't know. But then after learning about the guy that it's like people call him the real life Dexter. I'm like, holy shit. (laughs) So uh, he was orphaned at three years old. His mom was actually brutally murdered with a chainsaw by a bunch of like drug dealers. And he didn't really find out about it until later because he was adopted by a Miami police department officer by the name of Harry Morgan. Now, Harry, this officer realizes that the kid he's adopted, he knows his past. He knows that his mom was brutally murdered by drug dealers. You know, he knows all of that. He, um, he just kind of noticed that this dude was like, Dexter just had this bloodlust in him. Like, he just wanted to kill people. And, you know, being a police officer, you can kind of see the signs, I guess. And so he started seeing that. Apparently, they went on hunting trips to try to satiate Dexter's need to kill. And then finally, when he tells his dad, Hey, uh, Dad, I have an urge to kill. Harry apparently teaches him how to kill with a code, which means killing only heinous criminals that get away with crimes. (laughs) what a what What a a story story. so then the whole i guess like the eight eight seasons i think he like ends up having a kid at one point and then he almost gets caught at one point his sister ends up like in the police force as well i mean it's a shit show but it sounds like a really really good shit show i don't know why i don't watch this it's so famous it's so popular it's so well loved maybe we will start it Maybe we'll start it tonight a
0: season. Eight seasons Eight a- oh,
1: seasons I know season. Every time we see a show With a lot of seasons already done We get so overwhelmed And I think both of us Are like low-key commitment folks Because we're like What? <laughs> Eight? Like you mean We gotta keep dating Till we finish this series Are you kidding? I don't think <laughs> Okay So today's story Is based off of The real life Dexter Now Dexter was not Based off of him Dexter was actually Based off of a book Loosely And um, this guy's name Is Pedro Rodriguez Filo. So, um, Filo in Portuguese actually is kind of like a term that you would put for like it's, it's not a surname from what I can tell right so it's not his last name so his last name would be Rodriguez mm-hmm. and he goes by Pedrino Matador or Killer Petey or the Brazilian Dexter or the real Dexter or just Pedrino so we're going to call him Pedrino for the rest of today's podcast mm-hmm. and let me tell you this takes place in Brazil and boy is it a story so I feel like I have to put a disclaimer okay is the fact that a lot of this was told by Pedrino himself now when we've got a Serial killer telling the story themselves. There's a lot of inconsistencies. There's a lot of, huh? Did that actually happen, sir? Or are you just trying to make your balls look even bigger? Like, what's going on? And so I feel like this (laughs) this is a very unreliable narrator. But I mean, it is a wild story. So strap on. So how how
0: how much of this is verified?
1: So in the court system, he has, I believe, seventy one murder convictions. Oh my goodness. (laughs) So I guess it's like. But then also, when you think about being in Brazil, they said that at the time especially the Brazilian justice system was kind of all over the place they didn't really have the greatest Mm record-keeping so it could be way less or it could be exponentially more and I'm like those are two very different things guys (laughs) like can you give us a clear indication does it go up does it go down we need to know Mm -hmm. and so just Pedro Rodriguez Pedrino had a very very interesting childhood Um, he was born in a farm on like the southeastern part of Brazil and the minute that he was born already shit was going down he came out of his mother's womb with his skull already bruised how does that happen you wonder right it happened because his dad was really mad with his mom and just started kicking her in the belly
0: and he got bruised yeah
1: and he got bruised as he was in her pregnant belly and people actually looked at him instead of being like hey you are literally getting abused before you're even born we need to do something about this they said hey you're lucky to be even born because you could have died And then people are like, what? So we had seven younger siblings. Um, They also were very lucky to be born because there was a lot of abuse by Pedrino Sr. to Pedrino and his younger siblings while they were in the womb. It's kind of crazy. So they were poor, but they didn't have extreme poverty like a lot of people in rural Brazil at the time. Mm -hmm. Say rural. 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 (laughs) (laughs) i feel like we both have a problem with this word like the countryside of brazil that's what i'm gonna say from now on the countryside so his dad worked as a night security guard at a local store and he was considered kind of like agreeable at work i guess unless you know of course he was drinking on the job that day so that just kind of describes his work ethic, I guess. Now, the mom, she was incredibly strict. She was a disciplinarian. She was really quick to punish the kids. I'm talking physically. I'm talking mentally, emotionally. Like she just was a bit of an abuser. Now, she would always take all of her kids to church. And if they even, if they even misspoke at church, she would drag them home and beat them up. OK, so church was really, really serious. Now, his grandpa, Pedrino's grandpa, was pretty much the only person around to teach Pedrino actual things things so his dad was you know he was drunk most of the time he would beat him up his mom was so strict that he didn't feel like he could ask her questions but Mm -hmm. his grandpa taught him how to swim how to harvest hunt and just um ultimately defend himself you know the in brazil at this time in this specific area you needed to know how to do these things to just live life which is crazy because like i can't even keep like a cactus alive and this boy is like eight and he's learning how to harvest. (laughs) I'm like, wow. Um, So he starts working at a chicken slaughterhouse at a really young age. So a lot of their kids had to work early to support the entire family. And that's why a lot of the times um, they would have a lot of kids so that it was, you know, they could get more resources. Mm -hmm. Now, at the age of 13 years old, by this time, Pedrino was completely surrounded by violence. I mean, his, his dad is violent. His mom is like the object of the violence. There's violence all over the place. And the area in Brazil he lived in, it was a super violent area. So it just was filled with violence now at 13 years old he said that's the first time he wanted to kill someone at the young age of 13 now what's interesting about pedrino is that he doesn't have the other indicators of a lot of serial killers we talk about such as animal cruelty he doesn't have like this inclination to like behead cats um don't fuck (laughs) with cats you know and then you know he doesn't wet his bed he doesn't seem to have like intense sexual abuse at this point Yet Mm -hmm. before he turns 13 Later on it gets a little bit different But we're gonna get into it So at 13 years old he's like Yeah I really wanted to kill someone So he gets into his fight with his older cousin So he had taken out his older cousin's horse Without telling him And the cousin was like Did you freaking take my horse? And he's like yes I took your horse Like I was just borrowing it I'm not trying to steal your horse Mm -hmm. And the older cousin beat him up In front of all of their extended family Like I'm talking their immediate family Their cousins, cousins, cousins Like everyone in the community Was watching Pedrino get beat up by his older cousin cousin and so pedrino gets up and he says you know what i'm gonna kill you and everyone laughed they laughed Mm. because they saw him as like just a weak little kid and so for weeks for weeks he planned he planned the murder of his older cousin his own flesh and blood he planned it for weeks so they were working at a sugar press nearby that's where his grandpa works and a sugar press so you know those sugar canes they they Yeah, yes. they kind of remind me of like bamboo sticks, right? Yes, and yummy. yeah, the sugar press, it's essentially like these two really intense wheels that are turning together and then you stick S- it in ah. between the small little space between the wheel and it will squeeze out all of the, the juice, juice of the sugar canes. Oh
0: my god. Oh, no, yeah. no, no, no. <laughs> He's like, "Oh yeah,
1: yeah, sugar press." And then it hit him. He's like, <gasps> Oh no! <laughs> oh yeah! Oh yeah! So you he know
0: that he works at the uh, <laughs> meat grinder. You know meat grinder. You stuff a pig in there. Yeah, and you could stuff a out.
1: pig. Yeah. And he would always call his cousin a pig. Yeah. So um, so it's yeah. just an easy way. There's extra
0: meat that night.
1: <laughs> no. And so um, they're at the sugar press together, and they're just they were in charge of running the sugar cane through the sugar press. And that's when he pushes his older cousin into the sugar press. The cousins. Entire arm up to the shoulder was completely mangled. And now at this point, the mangled, yeah, mangled.
0: It's called mangled,
1: not mango, like rotten mango or our dog mango. (laughs) Like mangled, it means like just pretty much obliterated, like just like, um, like like putty, like yeah, crushed, like Play Doh. Plato. i got wow. descriptive yeah okay, okay. and so his entire arm is mangled and then the machine jammed because you know it's for sugar cane like you're not gonna have that much space so then <laughs> padrino i'm not laughing sorry and so then padrino i mean he's just, just like okay i gotta go all it now i'm just gonna try to push his head in there so he's like trying oh to contort his head into there goodness. but because the head was really really round right and it was it was relatively big he had a big head so the head wouldn't fit into the rollers not only would it not fit but the rollers actually started rolling in the opposite direction now kind of pushing the head away from the rollers so this is when pedrino instead of being like you know what i should have thought about this maybe this isn't the time to murder him or maybe be like maybe i shouldn't murder someone he decides to go grab some nearby pruning shears and he starts stabbing his cousin and he said that the goal of doing this was to cut him up enough to force him through the press now, at this point, there's a lot of screaming. There's a lot of blood. There's a lot of screaming. So the workers here, the grandpa comes to the rescue, oh turns off the sugar press machine. And Pedrino spent several nights in jail. Now, this, several nights. Yeah, he was 13 at the time. What? Now, this is where it gets really sad. So in this area of Brazil and Pedrino's family, he was like pivotal to his family's success. Like they needed every single person, all their 13 year olds working or else they couldn't put food on the table. And so the family depended on his source of income at the slaughterhouse. So the whole family collectively decided to drop the charges against Pedrino because it was a family member, you know. So if it was like a random stranger, like a friend, they definitely wouldn't have dropped the charges. But because it was like the family was like, hey, we can either press these charges, but then we all will not eat for like weeks or we can drop it. And at least we can make sure nobody dies of starvation. So that's what they did. So the police let him go and they agreed with it because they were like, okay, well, he is a minor and because you guys don't want to press charges, fine. He can go. So he, the only thing that he got was a couple nights in jail and they made him clean blood and flesh off the sugar cane press, which took him like four weeks to do it. And then people asked about it. They were like, hey, uh, do you feel bad about it? Like, do you you feel shitty? Mm -hmm. And he said, no, it kind of gave me pleasure. Like, I feel like I righted the injustice.
0: So what about the cousin's reaction and everybody else in the family so are they scared of him I, yeah, now
1: everyone's getting scared of pedrino now i mean i i would like to say that they weren't like so scared of him that they were like oh god we can't have him in the house you know but um they were like wow Th- he had a really intense sense of justice ever since he was young now his sense of justice was not always right that's the part that kind of gets people <laughs> like I mean imagine your cousin beats you up and you're like okay full on murder fucking murder Ted Bundy let's go Jeffrey Dahmer this bitch like what mm-hmm. It doesn't make sense yeah. and so then later his dad gets accused of stealing at work and this is like a huge blow to the family so his dad was a night security guard at the local school like I said and he was accused of stealing food and stationery from this local school so the dad's like no 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 it wasn't me it wasn't me I'm the nighttime guard and all of this stuff was taken during the day It was the daytime guard And apparently he had little tidbits of evidence That he could show that he wasn't the one that stole it Mm -hmm. I mean I don't think it was like conclusive evidence Like look here's the security cameras of me I'm not doing anything you know I'm sure it was like no because at this point This person came in and they saw that the food was still there You get it like he had a little bit of evidence But he was fired with no severance pay I mean he had this new reputation of being a thief So he wasn't getting hired anywhere else And the only reason that he got fired Was because they just didn't really care to look at the evidence they also just took the daytime guard's word for it they were just like oh it wasn't you okay let's fire the nighttime guard so the family gets super stressed out I mean the mom she was a cleaner and a laundress and she was essentially the bread maker now and Pedrino Mm -hmm. he went into the jungle to kill monkeys and he would kill these monkeys to sell them so that they could be turned into fine leather it was just really hard financially for the family like it was just really intense at 14 years old he believed that his dad was completely innocent of this crime and he was so angry that these people in power just like refused to listen to his dad's side of the story and they even refused to take a look at the evidence so mainly there was two people in charge of firing his dad there was Mm -hmm. a headmistress of the school and the deputy mayor who had the power to hire and fire people who worked at the school Mm -hmm. so at this point they're like what the fork right so he's like I need to take this into my own hands he had gone to these two people and told them no look at the evidence look at the evidence it wasn't my dad and they were just like little kid go home Mm -hmm. so he took this into his own hands he grabbed his grandpa's rifle he grabbed ammunition he grabbed a machete and a tent into a backpack and then went camping into the mountains for 30 days this is like really weird i don't know if it was some eat pray love shit i don't know if he was trying to find himself in the mountains but he went hunting in the mountains and he said that he only hunted for what was necessary to survive and he was cautious not to exploit the woods or mistreat wildlife now this is where people are also confused cuz they're like didn't you just fucking hunt some monkeys down? I'm so confused. So I mean, I guess again maybe it's like oh, well my family comes first above everything, but it, if I don't have to, I'm not going to do it, right? I think okay. that's kind of, you know, his motto, but I'm not really sure where he was going with that. Mm-hmm. So he returned from the woods after 30 days with a plan and I'm sure desperately in need of a shower, okay? So he comes back from the woods and he waits outside the city hall for the deputy mayor to arrive and they arrive, they get out of their car and he just shoots him twice and and runs away and he said that he felt really good about it but he was still super mad so one month later he walks into that school and he waits in the storage room now this is where the daytime guard starts his shift is in the storage room so he points the rifle at him right when he walks in the door and Wait, he had
0: he didn't get in trouble for the shooting
1: no he just like ran away no one caught him oh. <laughs> yeah
0: yeah, I guess it's a different time different yeah
1: place. yeah okay. and so they also like put a chair in the middle of the room and also you have to remember that the deputy mayor probably had a lot of enemies so I think it took some time to boil down like oh which one hated him the most right mm-hmm. and you probably wouldn't think that it was a security guard's son. you'd mm-hmm. probably think maybe it's like a gang member you know and so um he pointed the rifle at him and made him sit in the chair that was just in the middle of the room made him look pedrino in the eyes he said look at me daytime guard and he said did you see what you did it destroyed my family my brothers are starving because of you is it fair that you did this and the guard realized who this kid is oh shit this is the son of the nighttime guard and I mean I think at this point I kind of think that maybe he was the one that stole but um, I also think it was a very interesting situation where you know he stole food he stole supplies like little supplies here and there but mainly food so Mm -hmm. maybe he just needed to feed his family but he started crying and he was apologizing he's like begging for his life and Pedrino shoots him twice covers his body with furniture and boxes and then just like sets the whole pile on fire and then he runs away now at this point I mean, at this point, he's going to get caught. So he runs and takes place at his godmother's house. So he starts living with his godmother. And that's when he meets a woman by the name of Booty. So that was her nickname. I don't know her real name, but her nickname is uh, Booty. And she was the widow of a really, really well-known drug trafficker. So she was running the shit show, okay? So the drug trafficker dies. And she's like, you know what? Call me Booty Bitch. And I'm going to make you all my booty bitches, okay? So she was running the show. And she was a gangster. She would use her beauty and her influence to attract a lot of young people to her criminal organization and then just kind of like keep them wrapped around her fingers she Mm -hmm. would just be like oh i need you to go kill this person for me (laughs) he he thanks love ya if only it were that easy I'm kidding <laughs> and so she would invite Pedrino to live in her home so they started living together at one point and they started having sex now here's the crazy thing Pedrino was only 14 years old at this time mm-hmm. so this is where I said you know he wasn't sexually abused in the house from what I can tell like his parents weren't sexually abusive there wasn't like an uncle that molested him mm-hmm. but I mean I consider this really intense sexual abuse right mm-hmm. so he was having sex with her when How old
0: is she do you know
1: oh god I think like in her 20s or 30s yeah okay. so she was definitely above the age of 18 um, mm-hmm. and he was only 14 and he started trafficking drugs for her. Mm-hmm. Now he has absolutely no drug experience. He has no had no experience on how to sell drugs but because he was dating booty at the time he got this like higher up position in the network mm-hmm. and that made people pissed. That made the other drug traffickers who were working under booty pissed because they were like what are you talking about? Like I've been doing this shit for three years. I've been running the game for you. You know I've been doing blah 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 and now you just want to say that this guy this little 14 year old boy that you're having sex with is my boss like you Mm want to say that i gotta listen to him i don't think so so they were really jealous that caused a lot of tensions within that little crime syndicate right Mm -hmm. now he was an easy target so a lot of people would threaten him there was um a drug trafficker's girlfriend who came up to him in the middle of the night and was like watch your back Mm -hmm. and then just like walked away into the darkness like can you imagine just like watch your back and then someone just like scatters off into the woods I'd be like what the fuck I would cry (sighs) (laughs) all of his drug trafficker people like the people that worked in the same gang, right? I'm going to call them a gang, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they asked him to go to a lagoon. Now, these are not rival gang members. They're the same gang. So mm-hmm. technically, maybe he was thinking like, oh, they're trying to start a friendship now because they know that like I'm credible now. They know that I'm good at moving drugs now, like blah, 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 blah. So mm-hmm. he's like, okay, yeah, like it sounds fun. So they were like, yeah, we're going to go swim. We're going to smoke some weed together. It's going to be a great time. So he starts walking with them. And as they're walking downhill to the lagoon, he starts noticing that all of them are armed and acting really strange. So that's mm-hmm. when he whips out his gun immediately orders them to drop their weapons and get on the ground but they're all like I don't think so so they started running up the hill and he starts shooting at them just opening fire blindly shooting at them he killed two and severely injured one of them so that was when he kind of got a little bit of respect, a little bit of fear, but not a lot. Like, you know, a lot of other traffickers were still like, OK, like, fine, you killed two people, but I've killed like so many people, dude. And I'm not scared of you. So he still was like in this really odd place. And it actually made it worse for him because a lot of those traffickers friends now wanted revenge, mm-hmm. you know. And so um, he only had these two friends inside the gang that he trusted. And this is how sad it is. Like he's 14. And one of these kids always had to stay and watch while the other two slept
0: wait so there's three of them
1: yeah so they're like best buds and oh, wow. one of them always had to keep watch now like imagine what that does to you when you're like 14 and you're still developing your frontal lobe and shit i mean i think you're still developing your frontal lobe till you're like 25 and then i think it stops and then you just are who you are i think so you have stopped yeah a little too soon oh huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah <laughs> And so together they started committing a bunch of crimes. Now they decided to make a deal with China. Not to be confused with the country, China is a gang member. Okay, so they were like, "Hey, I know this guy by the name of China. Now we're gonna go meet up with him, and we're gonna start some shit. Like we're gonna we're gonna deal some drugs together. We're gonna we're gonna join hands with China, and it's gonna be like this beautiful thing that we've created, right?" And you so, think, um,
0: China yes. is Chinese.
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no oh, okay. it's like i've never met a chinese person named china
0: i know but maybe that's their nickname
1: no it's their nickname right. oh maybe they are t- oh
0: right like i'm gonna just call you little bitch
1: <laughs> i'm just gonna call you a little korean bitch <laughs> <laughs> now immediately upon their first meeting pedrito hates him he's like china sucks i think china's a bully and china's cheap can you not open your eyes? <laughs> okay, so for those of you guys who don't watch our YouTube channels, my fiance is Chinese and I am Korean. <laughs> and he's just looking at me because I always make fun of him for being a little a little frugal. I never use the word cheap. Responsible. I, yeah, financially responsible is mm-hmm. what he says. I say frugal. Eh, to each their own. <laughs> and so um yeah, Pedrino's like this dude's a bully and he's cheap, so we're not going to hang out with him. We're not going to do a deal with him. So he convinces his friends that they're going to steal his drugs instead. So they stole China's drugs and his guns and even shot one of his men, killing them, but also shot and injured China and China's brother as they were getting away. So they're like getting all their guns, getting all their drugs and then they're running away shooting at them so that they can't shoot at them, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just I mean, they were making some enemies. Now, these were not the only enemies that really wanted to kill them. There was um, something called the death squad. (laughs) So death squad in Brazil consisted of off duty police officers and state security forces. Now, they would be off the clock. So imagine like the FBI off the clock. They're like, hey, I'm going to join something called the death squad. And they would come together to go into the streets, the slums of Brazil, as they call it. That's what they called it. Right. Mm -hmm. And they would kill a bunch of drug dealers and they would get away with it because the government would just give them covert approval. They'd be like, you did what? You killed how? many drug dealers today up top d- don't act like you know me bye down low <laughs> down low <laughs> and they would never get any consequences for this so now padrino was like their newest target they're like we got to kill this dude i mean he's so young he's like trafficking drugs he's killing drug dealers we mm-hmm. got to kill him I know that you probably didn't sleep well during 2020 and maybe, maybe it's the politics, maybe it's the pandemic, whatever it may be. Have you ever thought it's your mattress? I feel like mattresses are one of those things that are just so overlooked in life. Like you care about your sheets, you care about your little pillows. But did you ever really think about your mattress like that? If you have not heard of Helix Sleep, let me tell you how life-changing it is. So they have a quiz that just takes two minutes for you to complete and it matches your specific body type and your very specific sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you i feel like i'm a side sleeper my fiance is a back sleeper but he also sleeps really hot so he gets really sweaty and he gets upset with that so i was like there's no way that there's gonna be a mattress that really fixes all of that for both of us right i was matched with the midnight Lux model of the mattress and it was shipped to me it was really fast shipping and i put it on my bed and i was a little skeptical you know i was like you know what i don't know how much a mattress really changes the game for me Change changed the game, And this has really eased the tension on my shoulders. I never wake up and have to like crunch my shoulder or like do shoulder exercises anymore. If you guys are looking for a new mattress to like get that sleep that you deserve in 2021, you take the quiz, you order the mattress that you're matched to, and the mattress comes right to your door shipped completely for free. You don't ever need to go to a mattress store again. I mean, Helix is awesome. But like if you don't take my word for it, they were awarded number one best overall mattress pick in 2020 by GQ and Wired magazine they've got a 10 year warranty and you can try it out for a hundred nights risk-free they'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it but like i'm pretty sure you will helix is offering you guys up to 200 off all their mattresses and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com rotten that is helixsleep.com slash rotten So at this point, he's avoiding the death squad. I mean, (laughs) I feel like the name in itself is pretty intimidating. So it was said that during this time when the death squad had officially put a hit out on him, he was trying really hard to stay hidden. So he was constantly just skipping around from friends' places, from his family's places. He never slept in the same place for multiple nights in a row. Like that's how dangerous of a life that he was living. Now during this time though, the gang itself was experiencing a lot of success. So Booty was about to have one of the biggest deals that she's had in a really, really long time and this was gonna solidify her career being the gang leader she was like this is gonna put me on the map now obviously the rival gangs did not like this they were like no fuck this we're gonna tip off the police and we're gonna make sure that this drug deal never goes down so during this drug deal booty was there a bunch of drug traffickers were there they were like I don't know I just imagine them sitting at like a really long table in suits But I feel like that's not how it happened. I watch way too many movies. And so they were just like sitting around doing this drug deal. And all of a sudden, the police come and ambush the entire place. And Booty was ultimately killed during this ambush. The police had killed her during it. Now, Pedrino, who was 16 years old at the time, he's seriously injured. Somehow he manages to escape. He doesn't get murdered. He doesn't get arrested. And he starts finding a lot of... um like extended family members to stay with. He's like, uncle, um, I know that I'm like shot, but can I please stay with you? Now, he was accepted into a, a one particular uncle's house. And this is where he started joining. They called it a religion. A lot of people in the community saw them as like witches. Like it was more witchcraft. And then there was a group of people who just kind of like saw them in like a cult. And in order for him to officially join this religion, which he was really excited about because he was like, you know, these are the people who just helped me get back to health. They nourished me back to health after I got seriously injured. So he really Mm -hmm. owed them a lot. So he's like, you know what, family? Yes, I'm down for that witchcraft. Sign me up, bitch. And they're like, okay. well, there's like really no sign up sheet. Like you can't just like sign your name. We've actually got to take you into the forest. So they bring him into the forest. And now that I'm like saying that out loud, I'm like, I think I'm going to go with the word cult because that just sounds really culty. Okay. And so they bring him into the forest and they give him a cat, cute cat. And they're like, kill the cat. He's like, what? So what he had to do is he had to kill the cat, drink all of the blood from the cat and then take out the intestines, disembowel the cat and then smear it all over his body.
0: There's the cat.
1: There's the cat. Don't fuck with cats. And this also sounds like something that you would get done at like a Beverly Hills facialist because it's just what? And my fiance is looking at me like I'm crazy. But there's the thing. Um, did you know that's like a, it's called a vampire facial? They take your own blood, and then they smear it all over your face. And then they're like, that'll be $2,000. And then you're like, but that's my blood. (laughs) You took my (laughs) blood. So you didn't even, what did you supply here? (laughs) That's my supply. Give me back. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Apparently, it really works, though. There's like plasma. Why? Well, I'm sure it's way more than just taking your blood and then putting it on your face. I think they like, they put it in a machine that like sucks out the plasma. Uh. And then I think they like poke your face with little holes and then they put the plasma back in your face. Plasma just sounds like a TV to me. (laughs) Like a plasma TV. I don't know. So he would smear the intestines of the cat all over him. Now the cat has essentially an empty body, right? The cat's dead. And he decides to fill the cat with seeds. So that was part of the ritual. Then they would bury the cat. Is- now the belief was that this made him invincible. This would make him like a force to be reckoned with. That nobody could hurt him. Nobody could kill him. He could never be touched by the death squad. He could never be injured by the police again. And he firmly believed it. So that next week after they buried the cat after he joined this witchcraft religion. Cult, I don't know what have you. Um, He went back to where the cat was buried. He dug it up, took out the seeds that were inside of the cat. And now the seeds, I don't know what kind of seeds they were, but they had hardened over time in the past week. Mm -hmm. And so they were almost like a bead like material so this is when he brings all the beads to his uncle of the from inside the cat that he murdered and he's like listen uncle i'm gonna need you to turn this into something for me and the Mm -hmm. uncle says okay i'm gonna turn it into this beautiful beaded necklace he presents him with the beaded necklace and he says if you ever take it off you will not have these powers anymore and so i mean i saw a lot of pictures of him and he i don't know if it was that specific necklace but it was like one necklace that he would constantly wear and it was a beaded necklace so maybe he was wearing cat seeds all all over him okay and so this is when he started doing like random acts of kindness so prior to all of this all of it was like drug dealing all of it was killing other drug rivals gang member rivals and it was all of that jazz but now he he took it upon himself and he was like you know what fuck this shit not only am i going to kill drug dealers Mm -hmm. But I'm going to give back to the people. I'm going to be a charitable person. So he was really well known in the area for stealing food trucks, driving it into the slums. Like that's what they called it. The slums, like the poor areas and just would give people free food that was in the food truck. He would just like drive it in there and then just like dip. And people would go in, get some food for their kids and then they would leave. And then the police would find the truck later. He would also do things where he would kill men who harmed women. So if you raped a woman, raped a child, you killed a child, you beat your wife wife or your girlfriend he would kill you
0: is he trying to be like robin hood or something
1: it seems like it it seems like he's trying to be like the robin hood of brazil and it kind of works do
0: people know it's all come from this guy
1: Yeah, so, like, the local towns, like, they knew, and it seemed like they liked him. There was really no reports where people were like, turn him in, there's a madman on the loose. Like, if you'd normally had a lot of dudes that were ending up just, like, dead, you know, Mm -hmm. you'd be like, oh, my God, this town's got a serial killer. We need more police. We need more this. Or, like, we need to do something. We need to catch him. Mm -hmm. But it seemed like everyone was just, like, if you are scared of him, probably means you're hiding something. Like, that was kind of what... It's almost like the whole concept of, like, the NSA. Everyone's like, well, I've got nothing to hide, you know? But it's just like, but, but they still can't just, like, listen to you when they, you don't have, you know, you think yeah. everyone's listening to you. Yeah. So it's kind of like the same situation of, like, well, you, you can't just, like, kill them, right? Yeah, They're a little different. Yeah, no? but then everyone <laughs> in the community is like, well, if you're scared of Pedro, means you did something. Mm. So it seemed like most law-abiding citizens were not scared of him at all in the slightest.
0: So he's the NSA, yeah.
1: Yeah, so he's the NSA of (laughs) Brazil. (laughs) These analogies today. I'm just rolling with it. And so he would also do this thing where he would go to local shops and if he even had an inclination, he didn't even need solid evidence because, I mean, Pedro... Padrino, he's not—he's not the court of law, you know. So if he even felt like the vibes were off in your shop, and he felt like you were conning your customers, he'd murder you. You'd be dead. And his favorite way of doing it was like stabbing you or like shooting you. So he'd just be like, "Oh, okay," like you seem like a shady ass motherfucker, and he would just kill you. It was—it's just weird. And the
0: and the police did nothing. He's just out and about doing all these.
1: Yes. So in the U.S., I believe the statistic is somewhere around. 30 to 40 percent of all murders are solved (laughs) it's pretty low but in brazil it's like less than eight percent So it's just I think there There's a lot of police corruption there I mean there is here too These days you know I can't even say anything Because everyone's like look at your own country bits And I'm like yeah yeah we do suck Um, So they they have a lot of police corruption They also don't have a lot of um, Like police oversight They don't really have as many police in numbers In terms of population And there's definitely not a lot of police in these types of areas Mm. So it's just It was just a shitty situation So none of these murders were really solved I mean the police kind of knew as Petrino but it didn't seem like they were like oh my god we got to get him right now and Mm -hmm. so at this point he starts also killing people who are cruel to animals which is ironic because the whole monkeys thing and the cat ritual that we just talked about listen i'm not the one that makes the rules here
0: so he when he was telling the story he's like i hate people who torture animals yes, or and kill animals
1: yes and the way that he said that he would punish these humans who torture animals is to inflict the same upon them so like i said in like a mukbang or a youtube video we recently did um there was a japanese kid who would line up frogs and would ride his bicycle over them so he would go and find that kid and ride his bicycle over them like he would inflict the same pain <sighs> that they inflicted onto the animal as some sort of like sick twisted but yet poetic punishment Yeah, so it's very fascinating. Now, like I said, I don't write the rules, but like we really got to look into that cat disemboweling thing. This doesn't make sense. Where is the consistency, right? So (laughs) he also starts dealing drugs, but he doesn't do it in the way that he did when he was dating booty. What he would do now is he really only just worked for himself. He wasn't trafficking drugs. He would steal drugs from bad drug dealers and then he would sell those drugs to good drug dealers and then he would make a profit in the middle. So he was essentially dealing drugs, stealing drugs, selling drugs, doing all of that. So around this time, he falls in love with a woman by the name of Maria Olympia, which is such a beautiful name. And she almost soon immediately became pregnant with his child. So they moved into this shack together. And that's how he described it. He said it wasn't a home. It's a shack. And so they move into this shack and he's like, listen, I know things are tough around here, but I'm going to go make some more money, you know, stealing drugs, selling drugs. But also at the same time, he continued with his vigilante justice. He said it's legally wrong, but it's morally just. And he just started killing so many people. It was said that during this time, he killed a about a person a day. Now, I don't know how much of this is real. I don't know how much of this can be verified because um, in terms of Brazilian law, it's only been verified that he has killed 71 people. And I don't say only, but He claims it was well above 100. So he was killing a lot of different people. Now, Maria was finally seven months pregnant and he was getting really excited. He was kind of like debating like how to protect this kid. He even hired guards to watch his, yeah, his baby mama and his baby while he would go out and kill people. (laughs) And so he comes home one day and he sees that the guards are dead outside. So he's like, what the fork? So he busts through the door and he finds Maria murdered on the ground. Now, it's alleged that her daughter or her kid was taken out of the womb and then murdered and the killer used maria's blood to write on the walls we will get you all over the walls so at this point pedrino he's traumatized he's depressed he's shook and he's sitting there thinking to himself who the hell hates me this much that they would come here and murder my baby mother but also my unborn child And he realizes literally everyone hates him that much. Literally, he had killed so many people at this point that every single person almost has a vendetta against him. So he spends the next over a year torturing people to try to figure out who sent someone to kill his wife. Mm -hmm. Nothing came out of this. Literally everyone was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And they would just get tortured for no reason because he was like, you're lying. And he would torture them. So this is the part where it's like, maybe he's not Batman. Like he seems like really messed up, right? He would just torture people who he thinks has an idea yeah and he was just really ruthless so at out of complete chance one day he goes to a bar and the bartender is like wait are you padrino and he's like yeah i'm padrino what's up and she's like oh well there was there was this woman from a place called pereva valley and she was driving this jeep and she was asking everyone for Pedrino, and uh, may- maybe that's you so he was able to get in contact with this woman who had recently left the bar looking for him and he found out that it was the ex-wife of China. Do you remember that gangster that he had I stolen? China, oh yeah, China. Yes. China the cheap bully. (laughs) And so he meets up with China's ex-wife and she says, listen, I need to show you all of these scars. She like lifts up her shirt and like shows her legs and there's just bruising scars all over her body. And she says that she ran away from China because he was obviously incredibly abusive. And she felt like her soul couldn't rest at peace until she told him that it was China who ordered the hit. You know, being a woman, A pregnant woman gets murdered like you just can't sit with that easily. I mean being anyone but especially a woman and you know that your husband had a doing and a pregnant woman getting murdered like what kind of life is that? And Mm -hmm. so she said I just felt like I had to tell you and Pedrino was just so upset and honestly he was just so upset that he didn't think of China quicker. He was like, I should have known it was him. And so the word around town was that China's brother, who is also a very notorious gangster, he was having a wedding in town recently. So he's like, okay, I'm going to gather all of my friends. So Pedrino gathers his friends and he says, here's the order. We go in there and we shoot every single man in attendance. Do not shoot or harm any women or children. And if you do, you have to deal with me. So he's really big into, like, the no woman or children should be harmed type of thing, right? Which, like, I can kind of agree with, but then I can't.
0: <laughs> You're just the vulnerable, right?
1: Yeah, it's just the vulnerable. So uh, he goes in there and he says, if you shoot any women or children, you'll have to deal with me. Very Batman of him. So they sneak into the reception hall and they burst through the door. And they're like, all the women and children, get upstairs now. So they're, like, scurrying up the stairs. And Pedrino, he immediately shoots China. Kills China. China's dead on the ground. Then he shoots seven other men. They both, they all die. All seven men die. And he wounds 16 more men. Now imagine the bloodbath. Okay, you've got at least what? I'm like not that quick at math. 23 men laying on the ground, bloodied up, right? Bullets going everywhere. The friends and Pedrino, they walk through the bodies just covered in blood. They step over the bodies, make their way to the bar, and they all order a drink. And just drink their drink overlooking the sea of blood that they've just left behind. Meanwhile, women and children are screaming upstairs. But he's like, you know. Don't harm the women and children. So it was just a weird, weird, complex thing, right? So the news of this had spread like wildfire because people are like, oh my God, a notorious gangster. His wedding was shot up. Holy shit, seven people died. What the heck? And his new nickname was Pedrino Matador. So the English translation, so Pedro was as common of a name, I think, as like Peter here in the US. Mm -hmm. But uh, Pedrino was almost like a cute way of saying Peter. So like Petey, like Petey, like almost like a hee-hee-hee, right? And -hmm. so they called him Killer Petey. So Pedrino Matador. So we're going to call him Pedrino, right? Mm -hmm. And there was a lot of divided opinions about him. Some people were just terrified of him. Some people liked the fact that he had a reputation for protecting the vulnerable. But overall, what I do know for a thousand percent is true is that he really loved the fame after this. Like he was in love with the fame. He came for the vigilante justice, but he stayed for the fame. Okay. So he starts dating um, two twin sisters. He starts a polyamorous relationship with two twin sisters and I don't know how to feel about that so I'm just gonna breeze through that one (laughs) and he gets a bunch of tattoos on his body so the first one that he got was a really aggressive one that he's kind of known for and it just says on one of his arms I kill for pleasure and then on his other arm it said Maria's name and it said I can kill for love too So kind of deep, (laughs) but also kind of really scary. Now, like I said, he started kind of doing some rituals. Um, He was killing every single day, allegedly. And he starts doing these rituals where he would like stick his finger in the blood of the victim and then just like take a lick in like he would drink some of the blood of the victims. And he claims he did this for a brief amount of time because it would make him stronger. Now, I'm pretty sure that he stopped doing this once he started killing in prison because, um, you like prison in Brazil at the time, it was just running rampant with HIV. So I don't think he was trying to like suck on nobody's blood, right? So Brazilian law enforcement at this point, after the wedding, they're like really trying to find him. No longer is he the dude just stealing food trucks and killing a bunch of rapists, like, he is going around doing mass murders. At like freaking weddings, you know, where there mm-hmm. are women and children around. Like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. So a lot of his trusted friends were killed by the police and he was growing more and more paranoid. Like he was so paranoid. He didn't trust anybody. He, w- he constantly felt like the police were just like right over his shoulder and he just was not really in a happy place. So one day he walks into a bar and this bar was where his twin girlfriends both of his girlfriends, they're twins, their dad was working there as like a bartender and he didn't know this. Pedrino did not know this, but the dad of his girlfriends had called the police. So the police oh, that sounds
0: like it's not going to end. Well, yeah, huh?
1: the police stormed the bar and Pedrino got shot. He woke up chained to a hospital bed. He had spent about 25 days recovering in the hospital, fully changed and fully under supervision the whole time. So then he was sent to prison. Now at prison, he was given an option. They said, listen, we know who you are. We know what you've done. Do you want to go into productive or protective custody? Because like what you've done is pretty insane. You've killed so many family members of so many inmates. You've killed so many gang members of so many (laughs) inmates who are affiliated with that gang. Like we know that you're going to get forked up in prison, dude. Like we're giving you the option. Do you want to go into isolation or do you want to go to general population where all the sons and the brothers and the friends of all of your victims are? And he said, yeah, Gen Pop, send me to Gen Pop. I want to go with everyone.
0: It's called Gen Pop.
1: Yeah, they call it Gen Pop. And now um, his only problem was not the fact that he was about to be in general population Gen Pop with all of his victims, friends and family. But it was the fact that he looked at the police and he said, by the way, why are you guys only charging me with 18 homicides? Because I've killed more than 100 men. And they're like, what? And he's like, yeah, I feel like you guys should charge me with more. Huh. And they were like, but this is all the evidence we have. And uh-huh. he was like, that's really upsetting. Like, I'm just really upset by that. You know, I wish you could have charged me with a bigger number that was more accurate to what I believe should be charged with. Whatever. Like, what? So what's
0: his deal? He's just really tough. He
1: Yeah, he's, he's seems like it. Fearless. I guess so. <laughs> He's just like whatever Let me just get charged So technically He was actually convicted Of only 14 murders Once the trial was done And his sentence was 126 years in prison So he was like I'm gonna be in prison For the rest of my life Fuck it So he gets transferred To a different jail At this point Because he was waiting His trial And then after trial He was sent into Like a higher security jail Mm -hmm. So when he's going Through this transfer They put him into the back Of a police car With a serial rapist Do you remember What I said About how he feels About rapists Mm -hmm. And they said that in the back of the police van by the time that they er- approached the prison they opened up the back and only one of them was alive
0: oh my god
1: only pedrino was alive now the prison was uh, really bad the new prison that it was going into now before we get into that you know i do have to say something I've got some 2021 goals. Um, My number one goal is to stop buying those 50,000 planners I was just talking about. (laughs) But then, also, a very realistic goal that I have is to just eat more home cooked meals. Eat meals that I know are made with fresh ingredients that are just delicious, but also good for me. And that is why I've been obsessed with HelloFresh. So, this is how it works, right? You get fresh, pre measured ingredients and mouth watering seasonal recipes delivered straight to your door. So, you don't have to go to the grocery store anymore, which by the way, did you know the average grocery store time is like 41 minutes inside the grocery store? And it makes home cooking so easy, so fun, and really affordable. And that's why they're America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh just cuts out all of that stressful meal planning. You can enjoy cooking and getting dinner on the table in about 30 minutes or less without all of that prep work. HelloFresh offers 23 plus recipes a week that features a range of different flavors, cuisines, and ingredients, so you really never get bored of anything. Eating healthier has also never been easier because they have low calorie, carb smart, vegetarian, and even pescatarian options every single week. And every single recipe is packed with fresh produce sourced directly from the farmers, which I really like. My favorite part is that you get pre portioned ingredients, so you never overbuy. Like, you don't have a ton of celery that you have no use for anymore in the fridge that's like slightly moldy, but you like don't. Don't want to throw it away so you're like what can i do with moldy celery and my fiance's been really really loving hello fresh because prior to this everything he cooked just ended up tasting the same i don't know if it was like the same mix of spices he did it was always a stir fry he would try to like name it something else he's like this is an eggplant dish i'm like ah eggplant stir fry he's like no no, no. this is a broccoli ah, Broccoli stir fry, okay? (laughs) Because it lets him cook and experiment with different flavors, and it's just so easy, and there's, like, no cleanup for us. If you guys are interested, go to HelloFresh.com slash Rotten10, and if you guys use that code Rotten10, you get 10 free meals, including free shipping. That's HelloFresh.com slash Rotten10, and use code Rotten10 to get those 10 free meals with free shipping. So Brazilian prison was really bad. So at the time, they said that if you were to live 15 years in prison without dying of disease or murder, you were a successful inmate. Like you had beat the system by surviving Wait, 15 years.
0: So Dexter is done. He's no, done now. No, Dexter oh, going to happen. Most, oh. A
1: lot of his murders happen in prison
0: what yeah
1: Dexter's just getting started that was like drug trafficking you know that Uh. was just staying alive this is Dexter and people were crammed into cells in Brazil where there wasn't even enough space for people to lay down like they didn't get a mattress suddenly Mm. America seems like a luxury like they didn't get a mattress okay it was just like a wooden cell with like concrete floors and bars and it was just a lot there were a lot of sadistic officers who were really easily bribed to break the rules they actually often gave internal keys to a lot of gang members so that, they would control all of the cell doors, but they couldn't get outside. Mm. So the guards would just be in charge of making sure no prisoner escapes. But these gang leaders could go into anyone's cell at any moment in time and just beat the shit out of them, if not murder them. So it was a lot. Brazilian prisons are actually some of the harshest in the world. That's what they're known for. Along with Russian prisons, they seem to be really intense. And these are just like the legal prisons. I'm sure there's a lot of prisons in the world that we don't know about or that are just very vague and don't really like, I don't know, pay taxes. You get it. There's no like LLC for them. Um, And in this particular ranking of prisons, ADX Florence, Supermax in Colorado, Mm -hmm. The United States most supermax prison, the Unabomber's there, freaking El Chapo's there right now. This was ranked number six on the harshest prison conditions in the world. And this Brazilian prison, he didn't go to this one, but for one, for example, in the same area, it was called Carandiru Penitentiary, and it was ranked number one in the world.
0: What does that mean? Like, like harshness The
1: worst place to be an inmate Like miserable oh. Murder rates are high It was said that In this Brazilian prison That they didn't give you anesthesia When they gave you surgery Because they do not want to Waste the money on it So they would just literally You'd be awake And they would just cut you open If you needed surgery And they'd be like, well, it's fine. You're an inmate. Nobody cares about you. And everyone's like, what? So (laughs) this, (laughs) yeah, yeah. (laughs)
0: Medical torture.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Like, I mean, it's so insane because if you heard this happening at ADX Florence, even if it was someone like the Unabomber, you would have protests. You like, it would be a shit show, right? But they were just doing that. Now in 1992, however, there were massive protests though, because there was a massacre and this really showed the Brazilian community just how bad the prison was. So There was a massacre in 1992 that left 111 prisoners dead. It was considered Brazil's like main human rights violation that the whole world knew about. Who was it? It was a prison revolt happened. So two groups got into a fight over football in the prison, right? And the fight escalated to a prison riot that lasted three hours. Now, at this point, the prisoners, they start attacking each other because when it's a shit show, when it's chaos, they were just like, you know what? I've been meaning to kill this person and now I can get away with it because no one's watching me. Uh-huh. So I could just say, I don't know who killed that person. And so there was only 15 guards for 2,069 prisoners at the time. So obviously, the guards were overpowered in like a snap of a finger. So the guards called the local media. Military police who came in, guns a blazing, stripped the prisoners of their clothing stuck them into the cells and shot them some prisoners were even killed by police dogs this left 11 prisoners dead 37 prisoners wounded there were 515 bullets found in prisoners whether they were wounded or you know dead gunshot wounds were mainly found in the face head throat chest those are like you're trying to kill someone it's not you know hey stop doing this i'm gonna shoot you
0: so it's they're mostly killed by the military oh yeah and
1: hands among the dead were found in defensive positions. So it didn't look like these prisoners were trying to kill the military, Mm. but also no police officer or guards were harmed Mm. during this massacre. And the crazy thing is a lot of the people were waiting trial. So none of them had been convicted yet. So a lot of the injured or dead haven't been tried yet, but now they're dead. Mm -hmm. So this was, you know, Brazil's like, really big human rights violation that everyone was talking about at the time Mm -hmm. um the prison eventually was demolished in 2002 which is like still 10 years after the massacre they just kept it up and running and so that's when he goes into a brazilian prison which is very similar to that one they had a lot of human rights violations it seems like a lot of people were just getting murdered in there and so he decided that he was going to kill people in prison Now, you're probably wondering, why why would you do that, right? Mm -hmm. Why don't you just try to live your life out in prison and just chill? You don't have to do all of this anymore. You're already arrested, right? And he said that he felt like he didn't want to live next to people who he deemed were unworthy of life, such as rapists, pedophiles, or people who murdered women or children. They were unworthy of life. And how dare they share a cell with him? Mm -hmm. so he went into like a weird protecting but also a murderous role so let's quickly talk about the prison hierarchy because this is really important to know the structure of things so this is from what i could find on the internet of people who have actually been to prison or actual corrections officers right Mm -hmm. because i wanted to take their words for it they've already been in that you know environment Mm -hmm. and so at the top of the list at the top of the food chain the coolest people everyone respects these people are serial killers yeah, cop killers. I mean, that's kind of obvious, I guess. I mean, not saying like, oh, cool, like just go kill everyone, right? But I'm saying like, I can see why they're at the top, right? Because cops are at the bottom. If you're a cop that gets caught for something and you go to prison, oh god, you're at the bottom of that food chain. Mm, Inmates hate you. Inmates Wait, hate so cops. So
0: serial killer is cool, considered unless prison.
1: unless you are a serial killer that killed children, like mm. a Jeffrey Dahmer. Okay, you okay. know, then you're like a pedophile and people they don't care it. about the reasons. No. Yeah. Wow. So serial killers, I feel like um, what I could read online, it seems like people kind of respect them because of how sick and twisted they are. And they just don't want to fuck with them. But okay. they're not necessarily trying to be buddy buddy with them. Okay. So you have to be a serial killer, a cop, co- a cop killer successful bank robbers so like that's your life like you went around Um, robbing banks and then you finally got caught yeah but like you've had like some good ones you know and then you got caught then you're like cool right mob kingpins so these days the mobs and the mafia aren't as strong but back in the day when they were they were at like the top of the food chain and Mm. nowadays they're kind of at the top but more so it's gang leaders now why gang leaders there's a saying called cream always rises to the top so if you are intelligent on The outside world, such as you know, to successfully rob a couple banks, you have to have some sort of knowledge on how people work, on how things work. If you're a gang leader, whether I mean, some people might disagree, but you're knowledgeable about people, you know, what makes people tick, you know, how to control people, manipulate people, how to run things. And so, these people are obviously going to be at the top of the food chain because they know how to run a network. So, these days, they said if you're at the top of a gang, you're immediately like the top of the prison. You know, there's something called a pod king. So every prison pod has like a king. So there were a lot of higher ups or leaders of games gangs that existed on the outside and when you go on the inside, you're at the top of the food chain, such as the Crips, the Bloods, the Black Gorilla family, Latin Kings, and MS thirteen. Now here's the crazy thing. There's- Wait, so
0: these these gang members go to the top when they when yeah. they get arrested. Yeah i mean as long as they were like near
1: the top of the gang on the outside immediately when they go on the inside they're like treated like kings and so there were actually gangs that primarily operate from inside prisons so that's like the mexican mafia the aryan brotherhood and the united blood nations they mainly operate from inside the prison walls like that's their hq that's their headquarters (laughs) prison yeah it's kind of it's kind of crazy so most established gang prisons have alliances with free world gangs that's what they call it gangs on the the outside because that's how you wield power. If you say, Hey, if you fuck with me, I'm gonna get my gang member to go kill your entire family. So don't fuck with me. Yeah. So that's kind of how they ran things. Um they also ran things by dealing drugs on the outside world and the money would be sent to them on the inside world. So in prison, you can't really have money inside prison, right? So what uh-huh. they would do is they would get money sent into their account, which now they can use to buy ramen noodles or hot buns or hot cakes I think something Uh like that like Cinnabons so
0: ramen noodle is the real currency currency. it
1: really is the real currency seriously yes wow and you oh my god so there was a documentary done about um, cops who went undercover in prison and they said there was a guy who became a target of a gang inside that prison because he bought a lot of hot cakes because he really likes them he wants to eat them right Uh but it's like walking around with a brick of gold like people are gonna try to rob you jump you fucking kill you for those hot cakes because that equals money it sounds crazy on the outside being like over Cinnabons like they're not I mean they're good you know but like in the inside walls that's like a brick of gold you could get so much with that
0: so interesting you could get
1: protection you could get drugs you could get a cell phone a cell cell phone in prison (laughs) a cell phone so um the mexican mafia just to give you a little idea about these people right they were actually stated by the american government to be the deadliest and most powerful in the california prison system yeah they're really intense they have about 400 to 500 official members and about a thousand associates who are trying to become members that they're just like their little bitch babies they're like i'll do whatever you want please let me be a member so they have rules in their mafia
0: this is in california
1: Yeah, but it's also nationally like they've got the Mexican mafia on the East Coast, too. But they're primarily a California based gang. (laughs) I'm like their HQ is California. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of intense. So they had a lot of rules. Now, when I was reading through their rules, though, in the beginning, like the first couple of rules, I'm like, you know what? These sound like kind of good people. Where do I sign up? do you think they do like paid maternity leave? Like, do you think I get some benefits like healthcare? Do I got healthcare? Like I was like, it sounds cool. Like you can't be a rat, no snitches. You can't be a coward. You're not allowed to hit another gang member without approval from higher ups. I'm like, that's good. I like that. Avoiding violence. Yeah, I like it. You can't disrespect another member's family. It doesn't matter if you hate that you, if a fam a gang members, like mom comes in and she cusses you out, you can never disrespect them. That's against the rules. Mm -hmm. You can't steal from another member i'm like these are good rules these are just life rules that you should just have right yeah. and then it started getting weird rule number six was you can't be a homosexual and that's where i was like you lost me you lost <laughs> me so hard you know you can't be a sex offender a child killer a child molester or a rapist and i was like okay i mean yeah that part yeah but why you gotta add that one in the beginning right yeah. and then um and then rule number eight is the one that got me membership is for life the only way out is death And I was like, oh, okay." I rescind my application to join. There was also another rule that it says it is mandatory to assault or kill dropouts and or traitors. So I was like, "Okay," got really intense. Like you just sneak those in the bottom. It's like the terms and conditions. Like I didn't see that at the top. What if I didn't read through the rules and I joined? You know what would happen then? So anyways, this is a criminal syndicate that controls virtually every Latino street gang in Southern California. So they are insanely powerful. God, insanely powerful. Then you have something called the Aryan Brotherhood, which I have heard a lot about, and it is a neo-Nazi prison game. Um, The FBI says it's the oldest and most, most notorious racist prison gang in the U.S., yes it's a whites only membership so super cool super cool super cool Um, they're really into organized crime so they like drug trafficking extortion inmate prostitution and murder for hire those are their specialties so they have a very white supremacist ideology right but that's not their major motivation their actual major motivation is money so they'll even occasionally set aside all of their racist views and they'll ally themselves with like latino gangs to make a profit like they just care about money Mm. they have a shocking number of gang members 15 to 20,000 official members in and out of prison wow so
0: what is it called
1: the Aryan Brotherhood and in order to join you have to do a lot of crazy stuff so you have to be in prison so you've probably already done some crazy stuff okay and then year number two or rule number two is that you have to be in probation for a year so what probation means for these gangs is that you're just their bitch baby like you just do whatever they want for a year and then the third thing is you have to swear a blood oath for life a blood oath
0: what's that
1: like you have to give your blood to them Uh, I don't know how much blood and then the fourth rule is that you have to commit a violent crime in prison, usually assaulting a police officer or killing a rival inmate. There was an old, old law in the Aryan Brotherhood that said that you had to kill someone who was black or Hispanic to join. Um, they don't really follow that as much anymore, but it's still kind of implied. So they're super white supremacist. Yeah. Okay. And so that's kind of like the top tier. Like you run this shit. If you run the Aryan Brotherhood, you run this shit. If you run the Mexican Mafia, you run this shit. So then the next tier down would be called the soldiers and they are protected by the overall gang, right? So they go around doing the duties of the gang. They're just a gang member. They're not a higher up. They don't give any orders. They don't really have authority. But the prison rule is that if you insult or assault any gang member, it doesn't matter if they are The lowest tier of that gang, Mm -hmm. it will be viewed as an act on the entire gang Mm -hmm. and they will come for you. So -hmm. it's kind of like mutual protection. Then you have the third group, which is the largest group, which is just your run-of-the-mill prisoners. They have no gang alliance. This is the largest group that resides in prison. Um, They do their best to stay out of politics or gangs. Um, The only complication that you'll see these people get in is if they somehow, for some reason, get into a fight with a gang member by chance. And it's not even about the gang, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, They still have to observe etiquette. Otherwise, gangs will come for them. So the prison etiquette is normally you don't disrespect any other inmates Mm-hmm. Which means don't steal from them. Don't call them names. So apparently the name punk is like the worst thing you could call someone in jail. Punk? Yeah. Because huh. a punk is someone who can't stand up for themselves. So you're basically inviting ah. that person to fuck you up. So you call someone a punk and you're going to get punked.
0: Oh, yeah. Wow. So like a
1: punk is probably worse than like you be it's, you know, like oh, a punk.
0: Okay. Okay. So okay. weird. Right. Yeah. And
1: um, one of the biggest rules that you cannot skip is do not cut lines so apparently a lot of prisoners will wait half an hour or more in several lines a day for like the food hall for work for clinic like they have to wait in line for all of these things so Mm -hmm. if you cut not only is it a disrespect to the person that you cut but everyone behind them
0: yeah why would you cut
1: lines i don't know yeah and so if the person that cut you doesn't get beat up by you then you get beat up just for not beating that person up because now you're a punk
0: For letting someone
1: cut you. Mm. The amount of anxiety I would have in line, hoping that nobody cuts me, would be astronomical. Mm -hmm. Because I'm like, now I gotta beat someone up, but I can't do that. I can't beat people up, right? It also, you can't help staff with investigations, obviously, don't be a rat stay in your own area, don't be loud, don't be obnoxious. And then most of the time, these people won't even be pressured to join a gang. Like they said, it's really not like the movies. Like if you try to stay out of gangs, you're not going to be forced into a gang. And then you have the next tier down, which are called the wives. Now these are punks. Okay, these are prisoners with no backbone. So they essentially become, quote unquote, wives of other inmates. So they do all like the cleaning inside these inmate cells. They do the the inmates chores. And then a lot of the times they get raped by the inmates and they're usually um, owned by gang members. Yeah, so it means that you're protected by everyone else other than the person who you're the wife of because nobody's going to try to fork with you because, you know, you're affiliated with this person who is very powerful in prison walls, but you're essentially a slave to that person. It's not as frequent nor as often as a lot of movies depict, though. Mm. So they said this doesn't really happen all the time, you know, but, you know, it does happen. Now at the very bottom, at the very bottom, If you did something to someone on the outside who happened to be a loved one of a powerful inmate, you're at the bottom. If you're a cop that did something bad, you're at the bottom. If you are in prison for snitching on someone, you're at the bottom. Or crimes against children, pedophiles, child rapists, any crime against children, child abuse, if you kill your own kid because mm-hmm. of abuse such as, such as gabriel fernandez mm-hmm. you're at the bottom
0: that's so fascinating huh
1: i think it's because a lot of these inmates have kids
0: like it's interesting to see the humane side yeah. of these criminals it's they're like, like well, i will do all these shit but don't fuck with kids yeah. like you see that little bit of humane side you're like all of a sudden you're like oh man <laughs>
1: He's a nice man, you know (laughs) And then you go my respect and then the little up (laughs) chart (laughs) up chart (laughs) My respect for prisoners (laughs) Up 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 It's very interesting. So they're considered dirty or throwaway people. But how do you know who is who? Because who's going to walk into prison and be like, by the way, I'm a pedophile. So like, can't wait to be the bottom of this food chart, right?
0: Words on the street.
1: Yeah. So this is how they do it. They have a system. So Mm -hmm. the first thing is that a lot of states in the United States give you a jacket. That's what they're called in prison. And it's essentially like a folder of legal paperwork. And inside of that includes information on the laws that you violated. Why are you in prison specifically? Mm -hmm. And so they will ask you for your jacket. If you don't give them your jacket a little suspicious huh or if you don't have a jacket Oh, where'd your jacket go everybody else has a jacket
0: oh so when you first go in everybody yeah. want to see your file mm-hmm.
1: but that's only for certain states some states don't give you a jacket so okay. if that's a state that has a jacket and you don't show it to them like you're probably just considered and in mm-hmm. prison they don't really do trials you know they don't really say well let's just make sure without a shadow of doubt that this is a child rapist they're just like i feel it so let's do it and then the second thing is rumors if anyone says that you are a child rapist or a molester then that's enough evidence. Number three is if you are a transfer from a different prison and you come into this prison. So transfers are different from newcomers and all the prisoners immediately when you walk in, they know if you're a new inmate, like you just got arrested Mm -hmm. and just tried and now you're in prison or Mm -hmm. if you've been transferred from a different prison. Mm -hmm. And let's say you get transferred from a different prison and you're kind of beat up a little, like you got some marks and bruises. Mm -hmm. They're like, why would you get beat up in prison? Mm -hmm. Unless you're at the bottom of the food chain. Are you a fucking child rapist? So they'll just immediately start beating you up too because they think you're a child rapist just because you're beat up.
0: This is a good thing to share with all the people who (laughs) who's thinking about doing something. Yeah,
1: if you're thinking about it, don't do it. Now, the other thing is that a guard could also let slip that you were transferred because you were marked at a different prison. And Mm -hmm. what marked means usually means you're at the bottom, like you did some nasty shit. Now, ironically to the prison guards, um, child molesters and the bottom tier of these people in the prison hierarchy are considered more intelligent and well-educated compared to to the average inmate so they are treated pretty well by guards so these are the ones that will usually hold prison jobs and maybe this has some explanation to do with why child molesters get out so early because i've always been so frustrated and annoyed but maybe it's because they don't fight with the guards they don't really start fights they just get beat up and they do jobs in prison which is maybe why they get out early i hate it i hate that they get out early but a lot of them do maybe that has something to do with it and then also below that is a snitch you snitch on anyone, you're dead. They said if you snitch on someone and the inmate that you snitched on is released or goes to another prison or just like dies, they still have friends and you will get beat up. If someone wants to join a gang and the rule is you got to go kill someone, they're going to go kill a snitch because no one's going to sit there and defend that snitch. No one's going to say, hey, I'm going to get my revenge on you because you killed that person. It's a snitch. They're kind of disposable. Wow. So don't be a snitch. Yeah. interesting. So they said um in statistically they believe that more snitches get murdered or assaulted in prison than child molesters. It's like I feel like it's like pop culture reference to be like oh child molesters are like the bottom of the food chain, right? Mm-hmm. But um it's just there's some like highly publicized accounts like such as the one of Jeffrey Dahmer where he was murdered and then we almost liked the murderer a tiny bit until he was like oh god I couldn't stop and I wanted to eat him too and then I was like oh never mind. Uh he had me there for a second. So yeah, usually Jailhouse snitches will have the least fun overall. Now, anyways, Petrino, he goes to jail and he realizes in the cell that this is not what he signed up for. So what, no, what, yeah,
0: is he top tier? He's top tier. Yeah. Wow. But just because but he killed all the criminals, yeah,
1: but just because you're top tier doesn't mean you're not going to have enemies, right? So he's got enemies of all of these people who he's actually hurt. Yes, but general population isn't looking at him like fuck you. You know, unless okay. he did something to you. Right? right. So um, there was no mattress. There was no furniture. There was a water nozzle for a shower and there was no toilet. There was just a hole in the floor. And it's customary that the newest arrivals have their sleeping area, just a sleeping area because no mattress near the toilet hole. Mm. So he's like, you know what? I, I mean, I got to do something for myself. He was immediately a target in this prison. And so he started making a makeshift knife out of a spoon. He carried that with him everywhere. At one point. Five men tried to jump Padrino. Three Mm -hmm. of them were killed. Two Mm -hmm. were wounded. Now he had a new reputation. Mm -hmm. People knew that he would kill without any hesitation. So do not confront him. Do not try to slightly attack him because he'll kill you without any single thought. Mm -hmm. So now people were a little bit more scared of him, right? And if he didn't have weapons on hand, because of course they would get confiscated if people found them, Mm -hmm. he would just break prisoners' necks with his bare hands. He would just snap it, And he,
0: there's no consequences.
1: Not really. He went to multiple different trials while he was in prison, but he was already in prison for 127 years. So eventually his prison sentence was 400 years. But um, <laughs> <laughs> like, what does that make a difference to him? Right. Yeah. And so he taught himself martial arts. He would do things to train himself. He said that in prison, it's so important not to only inflict pain, but to be able to receive pain. So he would spend nights, like just all night, an all nighter while his cellmates are sleeping, punching the concrete walls until his hands were bloodied up so that he could get used to being okay with pain.
0: Well, he's built for the Yeah. Built for the streets.
1: Bits, I get a paper cut and I'm like, where's a band aid? blood loss help me you're fainting and everything (laughs) i'm really bad with blood (laughs) and so he would commit methodical murders in jail like he would befriend victim like he would befriend his future victims and they would all be like child molesters or wife beaters and stuff and he would spend weeks getting to know them and be like you know what you're such a cool dude like i understand why you molested that kid like totes like good idea and then eventually he would just snap their necks when they weren't looking
0: so he's calculated He calculates. He's like, okay, this is my yeah. next target. Because
1: everyone was so scared of him that no one was like, oh, let me be your friend. Like, let me just put my guard down near you, right? So he's
0: not trying to mind his own business. He's out there oh, killing. Oh, yeah. Killing.
1: He was actively trying to kill people. So he would befriend these child molesters and be like, no, I hate child molesters. You're right. Yeah, yeah the word on the street is correct. I kill child molesters, but not you. You're different. You know? And so he would befriend them and then he would snap their necks. So his grandma and his mom would visit him every single week. Now, one day he wakes up and he says this was the most heartbreaking day of his life. He wakes up and everyone around him is acting weird, which is not a good sign in prison. Anytime he would walk around, people would turn down their radios. Yeah, they got radios. Um, they would like hush each other. And so he was like, you know what? If someone's trying to jump me or kill me, do it. Like, I'm not scared of anyone. So he went outside to the yard and he was working out. So the way that he worked out was he had this broomstick, And he Mm -hmm. cut off the broom part Now it's just a stick Mm -hmm. Then he attached water bottles Filled with like water in them And then Mm -hmm. those were his dumbbells And he would just Pump those Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, Right Mm -hmm. Yeah fitness guru By the way he's a YouTuber now Pedra The
0: serial killer?
1: Yeah this guy He's out and he's a YouTuber now He's out? Yeah, Yeah he's out What do you mean 400 years? Oh yeah, there's a Brazilian law. We're gonna get into it, but he's a YouTuber now. Sorry, it just reminded me because it's a fitness kidding me right <laughs> Yeah, he's a YouTuber. <laughs> yeah. Are you yeah. not scared? No. You know I'm not scared. Is he old? He's old, yeah.
0: Okay, yeah. wow.
1: <laughs> so um he's like pumping these weights, right, with his makeshift broomstick. And a guard comes in and is like, hey, you need to go to the prison warden's office. He goes to the office and he's told that his mom is dead. And he's mm. like, What? And he said, your mom died. She was sleeping one night and your dad came up to her and hacked her to death with a machete. She was stabbed 21 times with a machete. So he was like, do you want to go to the morgue and see your mom and say goodbye? And so Pedrino was like, yeah, I want to go to the morgue. So he goes to the morgue and as he's looking over his mom's body, he promises her to get revenge. So this is when his dad's sister comes, okay, to visit him in prison. So his paternal aunt, aunt, his Mm -hmm. aunt comes, his dad's sister. And she was like, listen, your dad didn't mean to do it. Like it wasn't, it was an accident. And she had brought him a cake as a peace offering. And he was like, fuck you and fuck your cake. So he grabs the cake. He cuts it up into pieces, gives it to his cellmates, gives it to the stray dogs because they had dogs that they kept as pets in this prison. I know. I know. It gets a little wild. OK, <laughs> it gets a little unbelievable, but it's like a thing. I, I, Yeah. And so um, he didn't want the cake. You know, he's like, why would I eat this cake? And all of a sudden they all start vomiting and collapsing. A couple dogs had died. So he's like, what? The cake had been laced. With poison. So now he's extra pissed at he his didn't dad. Did he eat the cake? No, because he was like, fuck you. Like, fuck this family. And so now he's extra pissed at his dad. And the guards are pissed at him because they're like, did you try to poison your cellmates? And so they decided to transfer him to a new prison where he couldn't poison his cellmates because the guards weren't like, oh, yeah, no, your aunt tried to kill you. They were like, you're trying to poison your cellmates. So mm-hmm. they transfer him to a different prison. This was the prison that his dad was in. Now, of course, they were kept in different sections of the prison, you know, because they don't really like family being in the same section of the prison, but sometimes they can't avoid them being in the same prison. And so he's in a different section. And one day, Pedrino pretends to be super sick. So the guard like comes into his cell and he's like, hey, are you dead or something? And he threatens that guard with a knife, takes his gun and his keys, and he's wielding that gun and he gathers all of the other guards into his cell using the gun, (gasps) locks them in the cell, and then goes and finds his dad. Now, Pedrino Sr. did not attempt to run while Pedrino stabbed him 22 times, which is just one more stab wound than what he gave his mom. And he ripped out his dad's heart, placed it on the ground, sliced off a piece of that heart, chewed it, and then spat it out onto his dad's body, which I think had some sort of symbolic tone to it
0: Mm -hmm. because...
1: I mean, it just sounds kind of crazy to us, but I'm sure there was some sort of symbolicness to it, right? And he went back to the guards, unlocked them, handed them all their keys and their guns, and then allowed himself to be peacefully handcuffed. So at this point, we know something's wrong with him right like okay fine you want to be Batman but something's wrong with you like we got to take a look at your brain so the psychiatrist had diagnosed him with being a psychopath with being paranoid and having an antisocial personality disorder it was also stated that um psychologically they believed that his greatest motivation in life was violent affirmation of self saying that he really only feels like himself and he is affirming to himself who he is if he's violent does mm. that make sense like mm-hmm. that is who he is and that's who he wants to be type of thing. It's so strange, right? Now, there are some split views because some psychiatrists had come out and said, you know what, we think that he's completely harmless to the law-abiding society. What? Which I don't know what that means (laughs) And so they also said that his rage was only directed at people who do wrong Okay, so here's where the theories come about So a lot of people think that he's a psychopath There's Mm -hmm. no denying it He was diagnosed with it I mean, he has little to no remorse for any of the victims that he's murdered Mm -hmm. But people think that he has some sort of... um, almost like a it could be narcissism that does it it could be narcissism that you believe that you are a good person even though when you're not Mm -hmm. so you have a lot of psychopaths who become serial killers and they're like i'm not a bad person i'm the evilest i'm the evil of the evil i'm the evil i'm a ted bundy like they want to be like this crazy villain right but Mm -hmm. maybe pedrino because of his narcissism he views himself to be a good person but he's not And so that's why they think maybe he justifies all of the things that he does and enforces the idea that he's a good person by killing these criminals, which just doesn't really make sense. I mean, it's really hard to say. Some people also just straight up will say that Pedrino is a vigilante justice, is a real life Batman, a real life Dexter. And they say it's complicated because, you know, you could say that he's not because some of his victims were not necessarily terrible people, but nothing's going to be like a comic, like nothing is going to be like a book like a movie nothing's going to be that clean cut like he's as close as the world will see to a vigilante justice type character
0: i see the point behind that but
1: but it's weird, right? That's not the what,
0: 21st century. <laughs> yeah, works run yeah. by, you know?
1: Yeah, we're gonna get into more of the theories. But the prisons made him more paranoid while he was there. So he served time in nine different prisons, and he started killing for more and more pointless reasons. So at one point, he gave protection to a guy who he was later, um, like he left the jail, like he he served his time, mm-hmm. and he vowed Pedrino to help him escape. So Pedrino gave him the address to his grandma's house and was like, "Listen, my grandma." is going to help you get all the supplies so that you can help me escape from prison. And so he's like, "Okay." So then he starts this romantic relationship with Pedrino's sister, Silvana. So he's like out of prison, he's like trying to help Pedrino, and I guess Silvana was like, "Oh, that's so cool." Like, and they fell in love, right? Now, mm-hmm. one night Pedrino's brother it comes in drunk and he's like, "I bet you I bet you had sex with my brother in prison." And this guy gets so mad that he fires his gun and it actually went off and killed Silvana and wounded her female friend
0: wait that is so confusing so padrino's brother accused
1: a dude from prison
0: it had sex with padrino yeah
1: in prison
0: okay so the brother is really weird yeah what was he what 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 are you saying that's your brother what are you talking about?
1: i know but also this dude's really weird because like why would you need to shoot people for that accusation you could just be like no you know yeah. and so obviously because he just murdered people he was sent back to prison and Padrino was like listen i have no grudge i completely understand what happened and he resumed the role of his protector uh-huh. which was what he was in prison then one random day pedrino walks into his cell and used a knife to violently saw his head off he decapitated him
0: Wait, the dude killed his sister. And he
1: was like, "No, no, no, I get it. Like the gun misfired. Yeah, you're chill. And he even protected him for months in prison to gain his trust. Yeah, and now in his free time, Pedrina would learn to read and write. And this is when he starts receiving fan mail. So he was getting about fifty fan mails a day or a week. So like, so like people would write him love letters. He would get marriage proposals via mail. And like at this point, people thought that he would never get out because he was sentenced to one hundred and twenty-seven plus years. So um they're just like, yeah, "It's all fun
0: and dandy. <laughs> it's
1: all fun and dandy uh, until
0: and dandy. <laughs> your um, your idol shows up at your door."
1: And then he's like so when we're getting married and then you're just like what yeah (laughs) you know it's all cute it's all like oh my god can you believe i'm like pen paling a serial killer it's all cute till they get out okay (sighs) i don't even think it's cute till they get out but like you know be careful and so um these letters they would just keep coming in now he started getting requests
0: what what does that mean
1: request from families to write the wrongs that inmates had committed on the outside. So oh. he said, if the letters seemed genuine, by the way, this is his marking. He was just like, if they sound real, um, he would accept the request and he would kill people in jail. For the people on the outside. Wow. Now, to be fair, only about 8% of all murders were solved in Brazil and 36% of the confirmed murders that he committed in prison to other inmates, um, they hadn't been officially charged with the crime yet. So they were being held without being charged yet. Mm -hmm. So it's, I can kind of see how people use that to the Dexter defense of like, no, he was just, you know, trying to get some justice. Because they hadn't been charged yet. But it's, it's all weird. It's still very weird. So he we had multiple trials in prison. And he just said that he just really likes killing people. You know? Um, during one trial, the judge was like, hey, why'd you kill this inmate? And he said, he snored too much. And then he was like, hey, why'd you kill this inmate? And he was like, I did not like his face. So he said though later to journalists that that wasn't the truth like he was just being annoying to the judges but um one of them was because a lot of the inmates were like housed in a different section during a prison riot mm-hmm. and he had a girlfriend who came to visit and somehow she like ended up there with them with yeah the inmates i don't know how the 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 visitor hours work there right and they were doing it just they were having sex in the middle of a prison riot and one of the prisoners just like stood and watched and so he had to kill him for being disrespectful so 71 total deaths have definitely been pinned on padrino so he's been convicted definitively in brazil to 71 deaths but um his sentence at this point has totaled over 400 years now in 1985 he was transferred to a psychiatric prison where he was like held in like this solitary confinement where it was just it was really bad like no one could talk to him he couldn't talk to anyone and the killing stopped because he literally couldn't talk to anyone right mm-hmm. and so he would spend all of his time that he would um not kill to read to write he played a lot of solitaire and also with punching the walls of the cells till he bled that was like his favorite hobby so from 1992 to 2002 he was held almost in complete isolation without the occasional like prison riot here and there then he would be you know like free running around the prison because prisoners would release other prisoners at one point they took a bunch of um visitors hostage And they were like held hostage for like three days. And then afterwards, the hostages were interviewed and they were like, no, like Pedrino really took care of us. Like he made sure that we had food and that we were warm and stuff. And everyone's like, what? Uh (laughs) Very strange, okay? Like he would exercise alone and stuff. I mean, he was just in solitary confinement until 2002. Now, he he was asked by a lot of journalists, like, if you were released, would you kill again? And he said, yes, I would have to. I'm a murderer. I always have been, to put it simply. And he would also state that things i do are good for society in my opinion killing my enemies and people who rape who kill children who kill family men do they deserve to live tell me they do not i mean like it's really hard to argue that one i mean it's it's not that hard when you hear child rape or rape it's really hard to sit there and be like no i want them to live so hard you know it's just like i don't make the rules you know i'm just like let me just (laughs) anyway (laughs) I'm just saying, like I'm not a stan, okay? i'm not I'm not going to be like fighting for their rights right now. So this is where it gets weird. In the early 2000s, Brazil realized that they had a law, right? And Article 5 of the Brazilian Constitution stated that nobody could be sentenced to their natural life in prison. And they stated that the natural life in prison, the life expectancy expectancy back in the day when they wrote this, was 43 years. So they said no one could serve more than 30 years collectively for all of their crimes because that would essentially be life in prison because people only lived till they were 43 back in the day.
0: What? Yeah.
1: Weirdest law, right? And it hasn't been updated since. So they were like, what do we do? What do we do? Like, we're literally breaking the Constitution by housing these inmates for more than 30 years. And so they finally had to release a lot of inmates that were there for like 200 years. They were like, your sentence is 200 years, but now you got to leave because you've served 30 years, right? And so um, Pedrino. Was one of them
0: What
1: He claimed to have killed over 100 victims for sure 71 victims allegedly I mean Even journalists in Brazil will say record Keeping in prisons were really really bad So we know that he was charged With 14 murders when he went to Prison like convicted but then we don't know How many happened in prison The record keeping was absolutely chaotic They said so it could be way less It could be way more it's -hmm. hard to say And now we just have Pedrino's word for it And so um, at this point once he hears about this that people are getting out on parole Mm -hmm. he has an attitude change he says that he has no enemies he doesn't plan to kill he's like chill he's like listen I want to live a cool life like I just want like that core life like I want to buy a cottage somewhere and just like make a family one day you know he was looking forward to being released he was entering his 50s he was young looking he was so
0: young yeah
1: he was still fit you know and he was like yeah I'm just gonna get a job at the slaughterhouse and like presume my life right and so at this point like the state officials are just looking for loopholes to keep him locked up because this is insane Mm -hmm. and they found this article that was like oh if like a crime is committed after the commencement of a sentence it could be considered new and separate so they extended his sentence till 2017 another 14 years but um this obviously if he had an attorney it could be challenged in court and it would just drop away because it was really based on nothing that they said this too Uh and he didn't know about it in the beginning he was just like what okay like i guess i'll stay till 2017 and then he got someone to help him found a lawyer and he appealed the sentence april 24th 2007 he was released after serving 34 years now here's the two problems brazil did not have a re-socialization program so all of these inmates just like they were like bye they didn't th- they didn't give them like hey uh so by the way this is how the world has changed <laughs> since you were admitted this yeah. is how you think we think that you can get a job this is what we think that you should do now they're just like okay cool bye and so they were all released about 70 percent of them went back to jail like within that year because mm-hmm. they just kept committing more crimes there yeah. was also no probation there's no parole mm-hmm. like you didn't have to check in anywhere You didn't have to show them like, hey, I'm not killing people right now. Hey, right. And so Padrino was a free man. So he moved into this very countryside area into a pink cottage. Yeah. cottage core vibes. Right. He got a pet Labrador. He starts attending church and he worked as a caretaker at a farm. All of his neighbors freaking loved him. They said that he was hardworking. He was serious and he was a religious dude and they really liked him. They knew who he was and he was like, they were like, he's chill. Now, the police didn't really care that he was chill. They just wanted to rearrest him. So, they were working on a case. They found out that he was involved in a lot of prison riots, you know, especially ones with the hostages. So, they uh-huh. were like, we're going to re-arrest him for that. Uh-huh. So, it took a while for them to find them. But finally, September 15th of 2011, he was arrested and charged for six 2011? riots. 2011? Yeah. For six Wait, riots. he was out in
0: 2017.
1: No, no. He got out 2007 because he got an attorney to appeal.
0: Oh, seven. Yeah.
1: Okay. And then so in 2011, he was rearrested for the six riots that occurred during his prison sentence. Right. Mm-hmm. And he also had a possession of a loaded gun when they arrested him. So that violated the terms of the release. And he calmly accepted it. He was like, hold on. And he gave his Labrador to his pet neighbor or his neighbor. He gave his pet to his neighbor. <laughs> Maybe his pet neighbor. Listen, if I was Pedrino's neighbor, I'd be his pet. I'd be so scared. I'd I'd be like, oh, I'm sorry. Like, I'll take out your trash for you. What the heck? I'll pay your mortgage for you. Like, I'd be so scared. Okay. And so reporters were everywhere, and everyone was like, do you think you've already paid for your crimes? And he said, yeah. So in prison, he went back to reading, working out. He did some celebrity shit, you know. He kept like reading fan mails. He talked to authors and documentary makers and reporters. Um, It's alleged that I think he's currently working on a documentary. So anyways, in 2012, there was an interview where he was constantly being compared to Dexter because this was like the hype of Dexter, right? mm -hmm. And Zarin was like, oh my God, you're the Dexter, you're the Dexter. And he claimed that he did not kill anyone he didn't think deserved it. And he doesn't believe in having regrets. So December 6th of 2017, six years into his second sentence, he was released at 64 years old. He still looked very youthful um, and he was released. Now he's free. He started a YouTube channel.
0: Oh, so this is him. Wow. Mm -hmm.
1: He still looks really young, no? Yeah.
0: Yeah. So he's out, out, and that's it? He's free?
1: He's out. He says he won't kill anyone unless they hurt his family. Um, he attends church. He said that God has forgiven him for his sins, you know. Um, he, he's a bit of a Facebook star, apparently. He has, like, a quarter million friends or something like that. So I don't know how Facebook works, okay? Apparently he has, like, a lot of friends on Facebook or people who follow him. I think you can do, like, fan pages now. Uh-huh. And he, like, cooks on there and shares, like, motivational tips. Oh. Yeah. He covered his tattoos the one he had one that said revenge but he changed it to love the one that said i kill for pleasure now is a scorpion you know and he wrote an autobiography i think he's writing another one um which by the way that one starts with a lie so his autobiography like the part one that he released Mm -hmm. it said that he was born on the stroke of midnight uh, the stroke of midnight on halloween which Uh is not true hey
0: I'm, i'm born on november 1st
1: but were you born at midnight?
0: I can find out. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can. So,
1: so so. Oh my God, <laughs> Mr. Mango by El Matador. <laughs> Ooh, and so he's working on a documentary. Apparently, I don't know if that's been out. I try to look up like where what he's doing in 2020, and it seems like he's laying low. But also, he—I think he mainly speaks in Portuguese, so mm. there, you know, I maybe that's why I can't easily find him everywhere. Mm-hmm. But he's kind of like a local celebrity. Like he, fans, even police officers want to shake his hand and selfies when he's out in public in the community. He claims that he's living proof that psychopaths can be cured however at the same time in the same breath he remains super emotionless he said that the people he killed weren't even worth the food that they ate i feel like that's not really a cure because (laughs) that doesn't make any sense but also there's like the double-edged sword of like if you're a psychopath who can be cured for entertainment's sake for argument's sake why can these people that you've killed not be cured Right. So it, there's a little bit of like weirdness. So now the question is, was this pure vigilante justice? Is this really him being a Robin Hood or a Batman? And we just don't really see it like that because it's not as clean cut as the movies, you know, Batman's yeah. clean cut. He's like, this is good. This is bad. This is where I am. Ooh, Batman. Right. Like, you know, but then in real life, it's not going to be like that. So is he as close as real life will see to Batman? Or do you guys think that he looked for reasons after the crime has been committed or he just is a psychopath who wanted to kill people and he has like a narcissistic issue where he's like, no, I'm a good person. And so he would kill people that he could easily justify being like, ah, oh, they're scum. So it seems like he still has that same complex that a lot of psychopath serial killers have, which is that everyone is beneath them, and he can take their life if they want to. He right. just does it in a way that makes him sound good, but it's not necessarily any better. Yeah. Um, some people say that no, most of it's a complete lie. Some people think that he's only killed a handful of people, and he's lying and making all of this up to get street credit or maybe to turn it into monetary reasons. You know. So it says that um, he does have a lot of supporters that really i don't think he has that many stands like i don't think mm-hmm. people are like oh man you're the best you know but mm-hmm. i think there's a lot of people who are like eh, whatever let him be out doesn't affect us because we're not his you know like we're not criminals so people are less likely to be like oh that's a disgusting serial killer but let me know what do you guys think about this one this one I personally think he was a psychopath with like a narcissistic issue. I think Mm -hmm. he just wanted to feel cool like a superhero, but he was not at all. But let me know in the comments. There's no comments. Let me know what are your thoughts. And I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. But I also hope you guys enjoy your new year. Have a good New Year's Eve. Stay safe. Don't go outside. Wear a mask because, yes, it's 2021, but the pandemic still thrives. And I'll perpendicular see you. the perpendicular still thrives and i'll see you guys next wednesday bye
0: bye